fascinating to me that the parts of your personality that I think are the most impressive are the parts that you don't even notice as being valuable. I know somewhere I've got it a bit wrong in my head. Like, I'm not seeing it in a way that would be most helpful for me. I'm seeing it a little bit mixed up. Hello and welcome to How Did We Get Here, where me, Claudia Winkleman, and Professor Tanya Byron, clinical psychologist, and my very good friend, have a conversation with people who are struggling in some way in their lives. Tanya talks to people in a one-to-one session whilst I'm in the room next door, ready to ask questions in the break and at the end. This time we meet Naomi, who, in her early 30s, lives with her mum and feels like she can never grow up. Naomi suffers with Crohn's disease and endometriosis. As a result, she often feels extremely tired and finds it hard to maintain a full-time job or meet a partner. Naomi really wants to find her independence. How do I occupy that adult space, knowing that actually I'm quite safe where I am now? What you're about to hear are the key parts of a one-time, unscripted conversation with a real person. We follow up with our guests after the recording, passing on links and contacts, some of which you will find in the notes of this episode. Let's go and meet Naomi. Hi. Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm Claude. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Why are you here? Yeah, I've had Crohn's disease since I was 14. It's sort of stopped me from being able to do a lot of what I've wanted to do. So I'm 31 now. I've also got endometriosis and I'm kind of being told if you want to have kids now, is you should be doing that. But for the last four years, I haven't been able to work. I've mainly been stuck at home. I think I'm beginning to realise, you know, I'm not going to be in the position to have kids You know, at times I can't even look after myself, so how could I look after a child? I kind of just wanted to talk that through and find out where I am about it. Tell me what having Crohn's means for your day-to-day. It varies a lot. So I have periods where I'm quite well and I can do things like most other people. Admittedly, I'll be a lot more tired, so I'll get fatigued easier. But when I've been unwell so like over the last four years I'll be in a lot of pain I'll be really fatigued I won't be able to do much Um, I've had a lot of operations injections drugs yeah I've got an ileostomy now it's a lot of maintenance what is an ileostomy an ileostomy is a stoma and that's where they get a bit of your gut so for me that's the small intestine and they create an opening in your stomach and, and stick it out. So you have a bag attached to your stomach and you're, you're going to the toilet through that. Did that ease some of the pain, though? Since having it done, I have felt a lot better. In the last month, I've just started working, which is huge for me. Absolutely huge. Um, and I'm loving that. So I imagine living with this condition means you also sort of can't plan. You can't say, yeah, I'd love to go bowling next Thursday, because then if you wake up and you're having a bad day, that must be quite difficult. Yeah, that's hugely difficult. Dating is impossible, because how do you explain to someone you've just met, I might cancel once, twice, three times, and it doesn't matter how much I want to go, if it's a bad day, it's a bad day. And my friends understand that, but with someone you don't know, that's 
a bit tricky because they're worried, you know, does this person even like me? Are they messing me around? What's going on? Even though I'm sure you'll meet somebody brilliant. You are brilliant, incidentally. (laughs) No, I can tell. You will meet somebody wonderful who will totally understand because I think you'll just have to be upfront from the beginning. Sometimes I feel like I can fly and sometimes I just have bad times. Because you're now living with your mum, you said. Yeah. What's that like? She's sort of provided me with this safe haven, which is lovely of her. So I was living with friends and they started moving away and doing their own thing. You know, I wasn't earning for a very long time. I can't afford to even rent a place for just one person. But it doesn't it doesn't feel like I'm an adult. Yeah. You have a brilliant brain. You're, you've done so much online studying, haven't you? You've got lots yeah. of degrees. I love learning and... Whenever I get that space to study or to work and I'm well enough, uh, that's a really happy place for me. I, I love it. I think the hardest part of being ill was my brain got really foggy. I couldn't read. I couldn't study. It's really stalled me going that next step and so lifting off. Sounds difficult because it's not even... If somebody said, look, it's going to be a hard three months... You know, in 2021, January to March, going to be a bit tricky. But the way, but you don't, you're not even, you don't know anything. No. So say not last year, year before, you know, I was running, I was boxing. I was, it, so for one month, I did really well. Then two months later, I'm having emergency surgery and everything's gone tits up. Nothing is certain. I can't plan anything. Which so many of us take for granted. You know, planning. Yeah. So you're here... Because you feel stuck? I don't want to be in this space in five years or ten years. Out of the control that I do have, what can I do? I'm going to get Tani to come in. Is that all right? Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. You said to Claudia, you said you felt stuck. Where do you feel stuck, I suppose, is my question. I don't know how to almost view myself. I feel like a child, because I am dependent on my family. How do I occupy that adult space, knowing that actually I'm quite safe where I am now? When I'm dating now, people ask, do you want kids? And usually I kind of go, maybe, I don't know. But actually, I think I need to really concentrate and think, if I do want kids, I need to proactively make that happen, because in a few years, particularly with the endometriosis, that might not be a possibility. It might not be a possibility now. I mean, there are lots of ways to have a child. Harvesting eggs, surrogates, adoption, that, that sort of stuff. Where do you see your options? That's a small genetic component in Crohn's. So I think I'd almost prefer to adopt. And then that takes away the time pressure. I mean, ideally, I'd like my own kid. Mm. If I'm actively trying... And then I'm working with gynaecology and they notice that it's not working. They can offer me those options. But if I'm not trying, you know, that's not um, that's not possible. What they've said is, is start early, you know, start early. So we've got time to kind of go through these options and try them. I still need your help in terms of what you mean by stuck. Because actually, the more you talk, I can see that you really have thought about this. So... Do you feel stuck in terms of taking that step back into really dating and kind of, you know, you said something about not being in an adult space all the time when you're living at home. Maybe it's almost about competition with my peers and stuff because when I'm ill, I do feel knocked back. I do feel like I'm not in the same position. 
There's nothing to talk about. What have you done today? I've laid at home. I've done nothing. I just wonder whether you've lost a sense of who you are, because it sounds like you're saying, I'm kind of meaningless when I'm unwell, which makes me think that your chronic illnesses, your chronic diseases, to some degree define you in your mind. So I've had people say, you know, you shouldn't let your illness define you. Um, And I find that quite difficult. I I understand that. Yeah, because how do you explain... Well, actually, that's wiping out 50, 60% of my life. That's taking away quite a lot of what's going on. So it has to be in there. That sounds like you're saying, fundamentally, unless I do meaningful stuff all the time in terms of daily function and a job, I am meaningless. I I think that would pretty much adequately sum up how I think about it, yeah. Is some of the limitation that you're feeling, as in a feeling of being stuck, something to do with limitations that you have when you think about yourself? Because it's like you, it's almost like you've split yourself into two people, your well self and your unwell self. And it's almost as if that's where I can see that Crohn's defines you to a degree. Yeah. And it's almost like you're saying, but my unwell self could never be a mother, could never be a partner, isn't interesting to people, you know, has no value. And I wonder whether it's a perception that you have that I have to help you shift because I'm not sure why when you're unwell, you couldn't also be those things. It just would be much more difficult. But with the right people around you, why couldn't you continue to maintain your sense of who you are, whether you're unwell or well? Like, well me is in control, is, is, you know, able to do presentations, meetings, loads and loads of work. Unwell me can't leave the house. It's hugely different. Mm. But you're still the same you. And And I, I wonder if that's why you're stuck. Because it's almost like it's impossible to make a decision when you've got two perceptions around the same thing that's coming from the same person. It's like I could be a mother if I think of myself as well me. Yeah. I don't think I could be a mother if I think of myself as unwell me. Yeah. And so these big decisions about moving forward, maybe meeting a life partner and all those things, that's where you're now stuck. Yeah. Because of the, the sort of dichotomy between these two identities. It's like you've got two different identities. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Is it that because you know yourself as being such a functional woman, when you're unwell, the perception of you as, of having a no value that you, you say comes from others, I'm wondering whether it actually is how you see yourself in those moments and therefore something in you completely shuts down beyond just the physical shutdown that obviously happens because you're not well. And I'm just wondering whether part of the process for you now is about valuing yourself even when you're unwell. Because I don't think you do. I think it's very difficult for you to respect yourself almost in those times. This has made you upset, hasn't it? I, I, I obviously don't want to make you upset, yeah. but I can see this has really hit a nerve for you. 
I don't value myself so much then because the things that I really like about myself are things I can't I can't do when I'm ill. I like being able to write an essay really, really quickly. That's really high standard. Mm. And that, you know, that kind of gives me the same satisfaction as some people might get from playing music really well or mm. making a beautiful painting. Mm. I know people love me. I know they value me. I know they don't mind helping me. You don't value yourself. Yeah. I really like people who who do things and use their abilities to try and improve the world around them as far as they can. And why would you say you don't do that? I do when I'm well. Okay, so this is going to this is going to be really interesting for you because I don't often say this to people, but I totally disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, good for you, you got a first. I mean, well done you. That's amazing. But what's impressive about you, I think, is how you manage yourself and you have managed your life with these complicated, chronic, long-term health issues. And it's fascinating to me that the parts of your personality that I think are the most impressive are the parts that you don't even notice as being valuable. I think I, I know somewhere I've got it a bit wrong in my head. Like, I'm not seeing it quite in a way that would be most helpful for me. I'm seeing it a little bit mixed up. Mm. Can I just say out loud, this is the first time I've ever heard you in 16 years go, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to disagree with you. It was quite a moment. Well, I hope it felt like a therapeutic challenge. Yes. You know, I mean, I think... What we're working with here is a young woman whose life has really been impacted by chronic health conditions. You know, I mean, this is real. This is pain. This is, you know, disruption to life. And it's really clear to see how her sense of self is really split. And so I suppose when I said I disagree with you, I think I was disagreeing with this perception she has of herself and sometimes that kind of direct therapeutic challenge is quite a good way to shift the conversation. And just listening in the other room, you just, I could almost feel her swallow go, oh. It's something that I see a lot as a clinical psychologist when I work with people with chronic health conditions or conditions that, you know, will relapse and then remit. It's really about helping people almost redefine themselves in the face of the challenge that this condition presents to them. And, you know, a lot of people really struggle to function not only when they're unwell, but when they're well, because it can just be so soul destroying to have to face that. I mean, for example, in with Naomi, I mean, the levels of pain that she will experience when she's really, really unwell and the fatigue, I mean, it's soul draining. I mean, what she experiences... So it's about helping people kind of think about themselves in terms of the wholeness of their life experience and not just when they can be the person they think they should be, which is fundamentally when they're well. You just look so shocked when I said I don't agree with you. You've had to live 
with these, this kind of swing in your life between functioning like any regular bright young woman and then functioning like someone with a chronic illness, disease that is flaring up. And I think you swing between self-respect and self-loathing. Probably. That must be so hard. Here's a question. You said to me, okay, yeah, Tanya, I think that you've got a point. I think I'm a bit, what did you say, a bit muddled in in my head? Yeah. Okay. What is the muddle? I think it's something around this split that you have in your sense of self. There's the well Naomi and then there's the unwell Naomi. That's where I think the muddle exists. Is that what you were saying or is it something else? Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it's odd. I don't I don't value my friends in the same way that I kind of weigh myself up. So say if I'm thinking about one of my best friends, she has a lot of health problems and that doesn't diminish one bit of how I think about her. I think she's amazing. You just nailed it, haven't you? Yeah. Who's the bully here? Who's the critic here? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> you really are. It's almost like I need to help you change the lenses in your glasses. If you're looking out at the world and there are people who are struggling with health, you're empathic, you're understanding, you respect her, you don't judge her for them, and you don't see her as being a different person whether she's well or ill. No. Why can't you do that for yourself? I don't... I am so competitive. I'm quite, you know... You are a bit of a perfectionist, aren't you? Oh, yeah, 100%. So being unwell is then falling short. Yeah. Being unwell for you is... The car's broken down, it's on the side of the road and we're just going to have to wait for a while until we can get it started again. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. Which is why I think it's hard for you to imagine having a child because what you said to Claude is you can't sort of be a parent and then not be able to parent. Yeah. And when you were saying that, I was sitting in the other room listening thinking, but there are lots of parents who sometimes have health issues and yeah. but they can continue to parent. But there's something for you about... If the car stalls, then that's it. We're off the road. Yeah. And I guess my question to you is why can't you why can't you still be on the road? You know, you're going at 20 miles an hour instead of everyone's going at 60 for a bit. Why does it matter how fast everyone else is going? What if your journey at that time is 20 miles an hour? And what if that's okay? And what if at 20 miles an hour you can experience things differently than you would when you're going at 60 miles an hour. I see the scenery. For example? It just doesn't feel okay for me. You just, absolutely, you're really stuck, aren't you? Yeah, I'm really stuck. Give me three words to describe well, Naomi. Um, Intelligent, competent, I don't know, inventive. Okay, three words to describe unwell, Naomi. Thoughtful. Maybe a bit more quiet. Yeah, slower. But that's not hugely negative, is it? You're just, it, it, you are describing going from 60 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour. Yeah. I really like going fast. I, yeah, I see that. But maybe the challenge for you is to accept that sometimes you go slow. Yeah. And that's okay. That part of you can become integrated with your sense of who you are. I think yeah. you split that bit off and you don't like it. I'm not talking about the, the pain and the illness. Of course you don't like that. And I, I just admire you because you've obviously lived with so much pain over so many years. 
But I'm talking about who you are, how, how you see yourself in the way that you can see your unwell friend when she's unwell as the same amazing woman. You can't see yourself in that way. I think it is almost that legitimacy. But when I feel ill, I feel like I, sh I should be able to do more. And I think it's that should that really gets me. A should leads to but I'm not, which leads to therefore I failed. Yes. Like daily, like I used to have little checklists, things I wanted to do. So, you know, I'd try and walk, I'd try maybe make a meal, I'd try whatever it was, meditate, whatever was the current thing that was important. It was a way to keep me going because mm -hmm. it, it can get repetitive. It kind of tries. But, you know, I never managed to do it. Yeah. So then you failed that day? Then you failed that day. And how much do you think that sense of failing prolonged the being unwell phase? Because we know that there is a significant link between mind and body. We know yeah. that, you know, psychological state has a profound impact on health and well-being that psychological state can trigger certain conditions. You know, there's a real sort of chicken and egg debate, isn't there, around yeah. the sort of conditions that you have, particularly the gut-related conditions. You know, does the condition trigger stress? Does stress trigger, you know, in terms of what the factors are around all of this? I think it is that I'll start feeling better and then the way I think changes yes. and I'll feel better. So that's where Crohn's yeah. does define you. You're led by it very much, aren't you? Yeah, of course you are in terms of the energy you have every day. If you're unwell, yeah. you're unwell. I mean, you know, that is what it is. But it's more than that. You're led in terms of your perception of yourself. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters, and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. Tell me a little bit about what's the internal conversation that goes on then. Bad day. I want to do X, Y, and Z. I need to do X, Y, and Z. 
I'll kind of, it's more towards the end of the day, I'll go, did I actually have to spend my day like that? Was I just being lazy? Am I really tired? Or if I tried harder, could I have written a bit more? Could I have got some work done? Uh, it's really interesting. So rather than ending the day, look what I've managed to do, even though I've been feeling so bad. Or look how I've managed to give myself permission just to not do anything. And I'm okay with that because, you know, I can accept that this is how I have to be sometimes to keep myself well mm. in the long term. Rather than that, you're not yay meing yourself at all, are you? You're like, maybe you're just really lazy. <laughs> maybe you're just a bit rubbish. It gets back to when I said to you, I don't agree with you. I would say your resilience shines when you're unwell. I kind of wish I could get your glasses and put them on my face. What's stopping you? I don't know. Because you can see it in your friends who have health issues. Oh, yeah, big time. I think it comes from a sense of never being good enough. Clearly there are aspects of your body that function in ways that aren't functional sometimes. Yeah. It's almost like that then becomes about you. You as a person, then, are not quite good enough. So it's like that. there's a benchmark you're always measuring yourself against, which is, I don't think you'll ever be good enough. I feel it exhausted thinking about the pressure you put on yourself. Yeah. All right, so what, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little bit of what's called cognitive behaviour therapy. Have mm -hmm. you heard of yeah. CBT? Have you had CBT? Yeah, in the past, sort of. And was it helpful or...? Yeah, it's more to do with chronic fatigue. OK. It kind of looked at all or nothing thinking. So it's like, OK, you might not complete this, but why don't we just look at doing this I little mean, bit I mean, you today? are the Olympic gold medalist of all or nothing thinking, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I think we'd literally give you the, the global Olympic gold And that would that. make me feel great because I got it all. <laughs> but, then, but then when you're in the nothing, it doesn't. OK, yeah. gonna, let's just have a look at CBT quickly then and I'll set you an exercise. OK, so I'm just going to write down on a piece of paper, but I'm going to say obviously say what I'm writing down. So you know that cognitive behaviour therapy works on the principle of how we think affects how we feel, affects how we behave. You are feeling well. You've just written an essay, you're in your middle of an essay, you're going to go and see your mate that night. What are you thinking? I've done well today, you know, I feel on top, in control. I'm in control, you've nailed it. So when, you, when you're thinking I'm in control, how does that make you feel? Really happy. You're happy. Positive, full of energy. And then in terms of how you're behaving, presumably what? You're out there, you're having a laugh, you're chatting, yeah. you're doing your thing. Yeah, extroverted, enjoying company. So this is A plus star. Now we're going to the unwell moments, OK? What are you thinking when you've had that day, when you're feeling unwell? What am I going to have to do tomorrow? What else are you thinking? Is there some stuff I, I could have done today? What are you thinking about yourself during these periods? Am I being a bit lazy? Am I being a bit indulgent? And how does that make you feel? I'm, well, frustrated at myself. You're frustrated? What else are you feeling? Yeah, quite angry at myself. And where does that leave you feeling? Well, sad. Does sadness fill us full of positive energy? No. So you're feeling hopeless? A little bit. Probably not if it was one day, but... If that had gone on for a week, yeah. Yeah, yeah, OK. And then well, how does that affect your behaviour? I want to stay in bed more. And do you? 
I probably wouldn't let myself for that long. But you might sometimes. I might sometimes. And if you stay in bed, how does that impact on the thought, am I being lazy and indulgent? Yeah, it cements it. It cements it. So it just reinforces this idea that you're lazy and indulgent. Yeah. (laughs) And are we now... A-plus star, Olympic gold medalist, knocking it, smashing it out the park, Naomi? No. So how do we grade ourselves now? That's an F. That's a a fail, right, that's That's an F. What you can see from this is, so you're either feeling happy and positive and good about yourself, or you're feeling miserable and sad and hopeless and furious with yourself. Yeah. So when we look at thoughts, we then think, well, what are the beliefs that sit beneath those thoughts? If we think of beliefs as lenses in glasses, depending on what we believe will depend on how we see the world. Yeah. Your belief is, if I am in control, I'm a successful, great version of myself. Yeah. But your belief is, if I'm not in control, finish that for me. Like, I could be doing better. So they failed? Yeah. Would it not be helpful for us to try and challenge this very negative belief you have of yourself? If I, at my core, didn't believe that, I think I'd be a lot happier. I totally agree. (laughs) Okay, so can I give you a little exercise? Sure. do. I want you to be the rational, empathic, thoughtful person that you are for friends who would say that about themselves... And I want you to start to challenge that belief because the only way that belief will cease to exist is when you challenge it enough to begin to recognise it's not a belief that you're going to hold on to anymore. Yeah. So I want you to go away and I want you to brainstorm every single challenge that you can to that negative belief that is triggered by your ill health that then makes you lose faith in yourself. Make sense? Yes. What struck me is how hard Naomi is on herself. And I think lots of us can not necessarily relate to what she's going through and I feel terrible for the pain that she has to deal with but that inner voice that's so mean even when she has terrible days like you say of debilitating pain she'll still go I'm going to bake today and then she doesn't bake and at the end she's like oh stupid self-indulgent lazy me yes I want her to be kinder to herself yes for me this felt quite challenging forensically I felt I was having to really try and understand that's why I kept saying what help me understand what you mean by stuck but you really heard that did you Claude that sense of just I mean literally like her own internal bully now all of us will have little voices going you look rubbish you're not a good parent your face is falling off your face is too sparkly Mm. whatever it is I don't want her to be mean to herself because she goes through too much we can't ever say to anybody you know you can't be mean to yourself because I think Part of the challenge of life is is managing our internal critic. And sometimes our internal critic is quite useful because yes. sometimes we do have to call ourselves on things because totally. we can all be completely annoying or ridiculous. I think where Naomi 
is really in a bind and lots of people with chronic health conditions are, is if your sense of self and your sense of success in life is purely linked to your function when you're well and you have a relapsing condition, that means you're going to spend a significant proportion of your life despising yourself Mm for something that you have no control over. You know, that's where you can see she shoots herself in the foot. And that's why I think the bigger life decisions about being a parent, having a relationship, you know, and and all those things are so challenging for her. Her belief is that she could only be good, like really good at something part-time. Yes. And actually, I believe that she can be really good at whatever she chooses to do full-time even though when she's unwell, she's going to need more support. It's just how she can accept that in herself. I loved it when you said, I just need to change the prescription in your glasses. And it really made sense to her. And what I loved, because it doesn't always happen, after the first session, sometimes somebody leaves and you feel like they've got a, a lot to sort of swallow and deal with and think about it. But she sprung out, didn't she? Or it felt like it, that she was actually excited. Talk to me. I also love this about all or nothing thinking. Yeah. Expand on that. Well, she's either having an A star day or she's grading Failing. her day as F. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, all or nothing thinking, or it's also called black and white thinking, is is it's really a characteristic of anxiety. So when we feel very anxious, we kind of shut down that kind of ability to rationalise and kind of look at the nuance in whatever experience we're having. You know, you can take out some good things, even though perhaps it wasn't such a great experience. You know, the way that we cope with life, 100%, you know, with experiences like being a mother, because obviously you need to be consistent. And I think it's the inconsistency in that, the all or nothing that makes her worried about being a parent. Talk to me about how Naomi was open about the fact that she defines other people and herself by success. I mean, I remember that. Early 30s, you're 31, you're like, where am I? Am I doing all right? Am I keeping up? Fragility in terms of self-esteem that a lot of people bring into therapy comes from a sense of having to define oneself by external markers of success, whether it's material success or career success. But actually, who we are is who we are. And it, when you strip everything else away, if you take away the money and the job and the everything, how do I feel about myself? What kind of person am I? And she is a woman who, for the last 17 years has continued with her academic career and her life. She still has dreams and aspirations. She's had many knockbacks, is now living back at home, but she keeps going. Now, that is resilience, and it's extraordinary. She absolutely doesn't see that as a marker of her value. That's exactly right. So it's about shifting, helping her shift how she, how she judges herself, how she evaluates herself. OK, I'm going to go and get her, bring her back in. You like your homework? I like my homework. Okay. Let me listen. Talk me through it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not going to read everything I wrote because that's that's quite a lot. I kind of realised there's sort of quite a lot I've gained through having those quiet times and those less well times. Wow. 
which is weird. Had you never thought of that before? Not really. Wow. Okay, so you might think, okay, she's still living with her mum. But then I'm thinking, well, actually, I get to spend time with someone I really love. Mm-hmm. And actually, I know full well if I hadn't have been ill, you know, I'd studied anthropology, I would have cleared off to a different country. I mean, 100%. Mm. And, yeah, because I've been unwell and moved back and seen my family, actually, I'm, I'm really close to my family now and to the friends that um, I speak to a lot, like my really good friends. I'm really close to them. And a lot of people don't, don't get the time for that, almost. Brilliant. That's called a reframe. We've identified this belief. It's a perfectionist belief, isn't it? And we identified that for you, it was particularly toxic because the if I'm not in control moments of your life are very linked to when you're unwell, which you can't control. Yeah. So you're kind of completely in a bind there. So therefore, when you think about being a mother, you think, well, how can I be a mother? Because I only live part time and you can't be part time as a mother. You've got to be full time. Yeah. Whereas I would say to you, you live full time. And sometimes you demonstrate extraordinary resilience that many, many people couldn't in, in your position. If you could acknowledge and see that, the being in adult tasks would suddenly feel okay because you know the essence of yourself, which has got nothing to do with the A stars you get, blah, blah, blah. It's got everything to do with who you are as a woman, makes you phenomenally equipped to be a partner and to be a mother because you have resilience like I, I rarely meet in people with the sort of conditions that you have. Thank you. <laughs> okay. What else have you, what else have you noticed? Because I think you're chipping away at this belief, aren't you? So now I'm thinking I want to be an educational psychologist. It was kind of there in the backdrop anyway. But I think part of the reason that when I do get into work, I'm so passionate about that is because I know, say, from, from my education, how hard it was to access that. Mm. And I'm not sure if I would care about that in the same way if I hadn't had any difficulties like that at all. Writing that, I can see you've written so much. It sounds like you're being much kinder to yourself as I've asked you to do this piece of reflection. I was thinking a lot of my best friend. She's really outgoing. She's studying now, even though she's really ill. I was like, well, what would I say to her? And then... Once that started, it kind of started flowing a bit. I think this is the first time I've looked back and gone, oh, you're, you're actually you're doing pretty well. How does that shift now that you've begun to understand your self-esteem, the issue of competency is so split by your perception of yourself depending on whether you're well or unwell? So say I was 100% well and I was working all the time. Well, I still wouldn't be there for the kid. When I'm ill, I might not be able to do so much, but I guess I'm present a lot. Being there and talking to them and listening to them. And you can do that even when you're not well. Yeah. Wow. It's quite a big shift you've made, isn't it? Yeah. And why has it made you a bit emotional? 
because I think I've really done a bit of a disservice to to not well Naomi. Hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, it's almost kind of like happy tear. Like I don't feel sad about it. I think it sort of opens up possibilities, doesn't it? A mm. bit. That's my task that I leave you with. You need to have that list in your pocket all the time. Because I think this voice is going to, it's habitual, it's going to kick in often. Sure, yeah. And at that point, think of us sitting here on our creaky sofas <laughs> and pull out that list and remind yourself. And then eventually you'll internalise all of that amazing stuff you've written down. And you won't need the list anymore because that will be your voice. Yeah. It feels like a real privilege to have been able to do this with you. I think I've got a huge amount from it. So, I mean, thank you for inviting me on and talking to me. It's been a pleasure. How have you found it? Yeah, it's quite different to how I thought it would be. In a good way? In a good way. Definitely a good way. It felt like there was a massive shift. It really does. It's funny how just seeing things in a different way can make you feel quite differently. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to keep on racing in, but obviously I'm not allowed to go, no, when you were like, I felt self-indulgent. I'd never want you to feel like that ever again because there'll be lots of people listening who either have been through periods of illness who will just want to get inside the podcast and wrap their arms around you. So I hope that that has changed and I'm very happy to turn that list into a poster, into a tattoo. <laughs> I mean, I'm not legally allowed to do no. it, but we could do it. We could find someone maybe who could... That's a good yeah. idea. Just so that whatever happens, whether you have an A-star day and you're going out and you're running the world, or if you feel unwell, when you feel unwell, I, I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. I think Tan wanted me to ask the question, looking to the future, when you said... I can't I can't do those things and I don't I couldn't be a good mum and can you now see what you are this all-round wholesome creature who does unfortunately have bad days but then brilliant days can you see a different future Yeah I think it's about almost changing my perception of what it is to be a mum Yeah and actually I've got a lot of the right ingredients to be a good mum and that isn't dependent on me being well no you'd be absolutely excellent thank you so much for coming in thank you for having me on that was a marked difference in that woman when she left when you asked what is it you want she was very clear I think she's, you know she said I'm stuck and when people are stuck it's often something about some internal conflict that's stopping them being able to take a position on something and move forward. There are lots of clues in what people bring. You know, often we have people who come because they want me to give them permission to do something. Yes. Today it wasn't like that, was it? No, it was totally different. But it was about perception, I think. Yeah. When we're stuck, we don't know which way to look. And I think it was just enabling her to, to think about herself differently, which then enabled her to look in a different direction, which... I think opened things up in a in a more freeing way for her. Should we all make lists? I think writing is is becoming a lost art. It's a beautiful process, whether it's writing a letter 
to someone else, writing a letter to yourself, keeping a diary, keeping a journal. The process of writing means you have to re- sort of reflect and it, and you have to sort of rationalise something that ordinarily would feel confusing because it's very emotional. And I mean, she only talked through two or three with me, but it was a huge list. You saw it as well. And I think that, you know, it is helpful because sometimes when you can, when you rationalise it and break it down, it's almost like you're taking a step outside yourself. And I think what she said, and it was a smart thing, she said, I was actually imagining I was saying it to somebody else. And then you reflect on, well, if I can say it to someone else, why am I not able to say it to myself? So I think sometimes it's a really useful exercise and and could help a lot of people shift themselves out of a feeling of being stuck. I think we can all learn from that. I think so. That was good. Thanks, my love. Just a quick note that if you haven't already, please subscribe and you'll receive free episodes as soon as they come out. Thank you to all of those listeners who have rated and commented so far. If you haven't already, please do share to let everyone know that we're here. Also, if you're interested in taking part in future episodes of How Did We Get Here, please email briefly describing your issue to parenting at somethingelse.com. That's parenting at something without a G else.com. Next time, we meet Danielle. People talk about baby brain when you're pregnant and you lose words, mm. and grief is, does the same to you. The carpet being ripped out from under you and, and tumbling. And not knowing who you are. Yeah. That, yeah, things that used to be so simple that I'd do without thinking suddenly become so much harder. This podcast was made by the team at Something Else. The sound and mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer is Hannah Talbot. The producer is Selena Ream. And the executive producer is Chris Skinner, with additional production from Steve Ackman. Also from Something Else. Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Join Katie for a series of powerful and inspirational conversations with people who have triumphed over adversity. With guests including Fern Cotton. And what about when you get really lazy journalism? So like people that draw just one line, they take it out of context. And that's really sad because... It is, it is. And I've also been on the receiving end of it so, Mm. so many times. Sometimes to really tragic levels for me where I've really not felt able to cope with it. Yeah. Zoe Sugg and Nadia Hussein. I think the the thing with women, firstly, is that women sometimes don't always like to see other women succeed. Mm -hmm. I I I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of that and I think that's why just... It's really hard sometimes because in the last four years I've changed so much. Mm. Listen now in Apple Podcasts. Spotify and all good podcast apps.